Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 191. The less this man speaks, the better this will go. This week, we're discussing season 6, episode 20 of Buffy, Villains, and season 3, episode 11. All right. I'm going to have to start over because I started laughing. Because I saw, I saw, I would I would have kept going, but I saw, I saw you like laugh. dive off to the side. Um, All right. Should we stop and start over? Um, we just let it go. We can. Okay. I'll, I'll cut it out. All right. Wait, you come up first. Come on. <laughs> come on. There we go. Okay. All right. Ready? Ready? All right. Welcome to episode 191. The less this man speaks, the better this will go. This week we're discussing season 6, episode 20 of Buffy, Villains, and season 3, episode 11 of Battlestar Galactica, The Eye of Jupiter. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, Buffy, back to Buffy, had a week off, um, and I glanced ahead and saw that we have uh, a couple weeks off of Buffy next because we're finishing up Angel, which, uh, you know, much as I like Angel and everything, it's like, ah, these cliffhangers. Um, Well, well. Very stressing me out. Yeah, right. So... It's really only one episode of Angel, though, but then we have to do the season recap. Yes, and it doesn't make sense to do the season recap, like, in between episodes of Buffy. Because then, just think of how many... We'll have, like, five weeks of Buffy in a row. Right, Just yes. because of the way the... This is what I'm telling myself, but um, <laughs> but it was a killer cliffhanger and it's another quite literally literally two in a row of like awful yeah bloody violent cliffhangers yeah um yeah uh so all right villains um i kind of grouped the characters into like character groups like all the stuff around willow we're gonna kind of start and finish with her and then do some of the you know, more minor subplots and characters kind of in the middle. But I want to start with all the stuff, you know, in the beginning, which is kind of fallout from the last episode and mm-hmm. setting up this this story of, okay, what, what just happened and what are we going to do? Um, so I guess the first thing to kind of talk about is um, Buffy. Um, and uh, so we're kind of, you know, bookending the season with, you know, not a full death, but like about as close as she can go without fully yeah, yeah. going there, you know, and, and well, Xander even pointed out like, this isn't funny, you know, once or twice. And it's like, yeah, this would have been the third death, right? So if she had totally there gone is, there. So. And, and there is a little bit of debate here because if you're listening, she does flatline. And so the question becomes is, did she actually die or, mm-hmm. or what? Like, right. what are we talking about here? Um, you know, is it similar to season one where you had 
Xander revive mm-hmm. her with mouth to mouth and CPR? Or, right. uh, you know, does, does she die? But right. I or is think, there something more magical influence? So, well, and that's the thing is right. And then obviously the be at the end of season five, she, you know, is killed magically and brought back her magic. Yeah. So, but here's the thing is I think she must not fully die for this reason. And this reason, and, and the reason we get in this episode and, and which maybe I'm jumping the gun by saying, but mm-hmm. we get the explanation right from Osiris that natural deaths, which he defines as like human caused deaths. Yeah. Uh, so even though like a gun and a bullet aren't like found in nature, they're still natural in in so far as yeah. that they're right they're they're human cause um if Buffy had died then given given that explanation from Osiris, if Buffy had died, Willow wouldn't have been able to bring her back right right like right. that so that's my argument for her not dying, but it is um like you know yeah. I'm part of a Buffy Facebook group that has like lots of people in it and I'll just say not all of them are maybe as rigorous as you and I are about talking <laughs> through some of these things. Um, and like, it seems to be one of those things that pops up like once every couple of months of, you know, how many mm-hmm. times does Buffy actually die? And then you get mm-hmm. into like the wish verse and like, does that count or nightmares when she's, you know, a vampire and like that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. All right. Like some people have it up to like five or six times. Um, right. But right. you know, we'll keep it at two uh yes for for sure and officially two and i think there's a strong argument to say that she doesn't completely die here like that there's still some spark enough that willow is able to bring her back from the precipice of another death yeah and i think that's how i read it was like um willow you know saves her at the last possible moment that still is within the boundaries of naturally plausible, you know, mm-hmm. like resuscitation and everything and, and, you know, healing her um, just at the brink of, yeah. you know, of what she needed and everything. Um, and so, and Buffy even kind of alludes that, sorry, I know I'm like already like I'm walking all over your, your carefully crafted outline but um like buffy even sort of suggests that right because willow willow's like you know you would have died if i hadn't saved you and buffy's like well maybe like it's not there's not guaranteed that the the hospital workers wouldn't have been able to save her i mean the bullet clearly like it was in her chest like right near her heart so right like wasn't looking good yeah yeah but it's possible she might have lived yeah. without Willow's magical intervention. So, right, yeah, right. like I'm kind of with you there. Like it may be right up to that line, but never, never crossed over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of, all right, I'm 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 going to resist the temptation to jump too much into Willow and, you know, stick with Buffy for a minute. Um, uh, Unless there's not much now I'm thinking about it, maybe we should just talk about Willow. Um, because I kind of want to get into the discussions of, you know, why everybody 
you know, takes the position that they're taking, but maybe we'll save that and we will go into Willow. Um, you know, so first and foremost, I think this dovetails nicely to talking about her conjuring of Osiris, because again, we get the bookend of, you know, Willow starting and ending the season with, you know, uh, doing some, you know, dangerous and somewhat shady sort of, you know, invocational magic to, mm. you know, uh, talk to some, you know, spirits, make a few deals, you know, bring loved ones back and everything. Um, and so the one point, so there's kind of two problems for Willow, I feel like. And the one you brought up is the, the question about magical versus natural deaths, um, you know, and that so that apparently this is a deal that goes along with Buffy's having died from, you know, from Glory's opening of that portal and everything. And so the rules are different. Um, you know, just because you're a witch and you have powers and access to spirits doesn't mean you can just start resurrecting all of your, you know, friends and family members. So we get like a kind of, which I, maybe we could have uh, deduced that rule, but maybe it hasn't been like stated by like, you know, quite as bluntly as it has here. Yeah. Um, that well, Osiris kind of says that's so. And so then point number two, which is the other complicating factor, um, uh, ties more into the fact that Buffy brought, was brought back in the beginning of the series in, of the season two. And that there's kind of the implication to me that not only would that be kind of not within the rules of bringing back natural deaths, but also that like Willow kind of shot her wad already. Like, you know, even within the, the, you know, uh, rules of what is allowed, you can't necessarily do it. Maybe you only get one chance or maybe like you, maybe, I don't know, there's a, a space of period of time that you have to wait before your next magical <laughs> resurrection or something, whatever it is yeah. like, she's, she's, you know, being chastised for like abusing this power, Sure. you know? So even if we could, like, even if Osiris could do it, he doesn't necessarily want to, or whoever it is that sort of, you know, the decider of these things, um, yeah. You know, so there's kind of not the, that it's explicitly Sorry. not that it's explicitly stated as like Buffy's fault necessarily, but there's almost a sense of like because she did it for Buffy, therefore Tara is sacrificed yeah. in a way. Like it's sort of like there's a trade-off here of like without realizing it, Willow made a decision that had consequences, you know. Yeah. Now, I mean, if Buffy hadn't been brought back, would Warren have ever had the circumstances to shoot Tara? Therefore, would she have died? Like you get into all it's this it, it wouldn't be the same outcome necessarily. But still, you kind of get that idea of like Willow didn't necessarily know that she was, you know, uh, using her one shot potentially. Um so there's kind of two, I guess, rules as to why she can't uh, do this. Sure. 
Yeah. Well, so that sets up the the line I was going to use, right? Was that Osiris basically tells Willow, you already used your get out of dead free car, right? right. Like you, you, you don't have another option here. And I mean, those can both like, like, I don't think he says that explicitly. Like the, the main reason that we're given is, um, you know, the, the magic versus non-magic death or the, mm. the magical versus natural death or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, but even thinking back to that first episode or the second episode, whenever it is, they actually raised her. Um, they had to track down cause like they had to like, they bought like whatever the urn was right. Or the vessel that they had to use and then, like, it broke. So they had to, like, track down another one. And it's, like, a big deal is made about, like, this is, like, literally the last one on Earth, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not even, like, mm-hmm. uh, or what is, uh, oh, the no, the demon biker gang. Don't they, like, run over it or something and break it or something? Like, like, it, like right. there's a big deal made about, like, this thing is extremely rare and we're not going to get another chance at this. Yeah. And so, yeah, like that's where, you know, that's where we are now is that like, yeah, even, even if, even if like you could resurrect Terra through magic, like you still need the proper implements to do that. And those don't even exist anymore. So there really is kind of like a physical, it's not a, get out of dead free card but it's you know some type of magical implement that they would need to have that that they had with Buffy and they don't have now um, mm-hmm. but it's also interesting that like Willow can pretty much command Osiris now mm-hmm. right like this is this is the difference between sort of me fumbling around Willow at the beginning of the season and just trying to do the best that she can and like through sheer black eyes and dark willpower like Mm -hmm. able to summon osiris you know at will and Mm -hmm. you know apparently causes him some kind of pain when he doesn't do what she wants him to do right um i mean i don't you like i don't know that she kills him or anything but certainly makes him go away um And it's, yeah, again, just like a very different situation of not, oh, I hope I say the right words and this works. It's, oh, you better come right now. And if you don't, there's going to be some consequences. Um, Right. So just a very, yeah, just another very different contrast. uh, Right. And maybe there are, maybe there are magical sort of laws of nature that Osiris can't violate but she can command him like as a as a spirit um Mm -hmm. you know like you said she can at least tell him when to come and go um yeah yeah so yeah oh well and so it's that's interesting too that she can kind of she summons him at will just without any you know ritual elements you know she just sort of just sitting there on the floor can kind of summon him up you know um and so that's how much power she has just sort of 
on her own with no extra resources at all. And then, so she, you know, naturally pretty powerful, clearly, but then she goes and like arms herself, you know, like, so like, that's not powerful enough for what she wants to do. Then she kind of marches off to the magic shop to sort of magically download all of the, you know, you know, entire database of spells and, you know, all the information that she needs. Yeah. Um, So it's sort of like, yeah, the implication is that she's powerful enough on her own. And then she goes and kind of, you know, beefs herself up even more, you know, uh, spectacularly than she was before and everything. And it's, it's also that thing of like, you wonder how long she's been sort of wanting to do that. Right. Like she seems like I had no what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, uh, well, so the other thing is her look, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, she her her look completely changes here. Yeah. <laughs> um, Xander calls it the makeover of the damned, right, at one point. Um, and I, like, I'm assuming at some point you've seen, like, pictures of Dark Willow, right? Yes, like, yes. Um, like, this is, like, where we're headed, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. the... You, you know the obviously the dark hair and stuff and and the and the black eyes which we've seen the eyes before mm-hmm. um but this is you know by the end of the episode i know we don't want to go there quite yet but like mm-hmm. we're we're we've seen a fairly drastic i think you know change and even even in the middle when they're like in the car and like on the road you know staring down the bus and stuff like mm-hmm. just how dark she looks and and both sort of mood and you know appearance um right well and and you know things about uh the way she behaves to the kind of emotionless quality to it of like yeah you know first when she comes out of the house kind of ignoring the fact that like Buffy got shot and like like if she even registers that she doesn't show it like she must because she comes back to help and to save Buffy but she doesn't seem to show overt signs of emotion other than like rage but it's like a calm rage it's a it's a purposeful like you know don't get in my way I have yeah you know a plan yeah and and even when she you know when Buffy kind of wakes up and is sort of like, all right, what's going on? What happened? Like, even the way she kind of smiles and says, hey, like almost like nothing's wrong, like nothing happened. And it's not until way later that she even mentions that, you know, what happened to Tara and everything. Um, Right. So it's this instant kind of numbing, you know, of like, like her, you know, the the emotion she showed when Tara first got shot, you know, as soon as she, like, walks out of that house, it's, you know, bottled and repressed, and it's not, you know, coming out of her in that same way. Um, right, so 
it's Xander who tells her, like, because I'm trying to think of, like, exactly how it happens. Because, like, she comes down from upstairs and out the front door as they're mm-hmm. wheeling Buffy to the ambulance and mm-hmm. talks to Xander. And he's the one who tells her that Warren had the gun and everything there. So that's when she learns that Buffy got shot. So, like, right. she's already angry at that mm-hmm. point. But you're right. Like, her her focus is on Tara, like, at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's, so she knows, like you said, like, that Buffy's hurt, that she's going to the hospital and all of that. But it's not, it's not her primary concern, I guess, until later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right, which... You know, I think especially the first time you watch it when you're not sure where the story's going, it did kind of, I had to kind of wait and see because there is that question of, okay, is she, is she going to get all her magic stuff because she knows I'm going to come back and use this to save Buffy? Or does it almost seem like the focus is her revenge and Tara and Buffy becomes slightly secondary? Like... Like, yes, she does come back and save Buffy, but, like, that's not necessarily, um, at first it seems like it might not be item one on the to-do list, you know? Um, Which I think it's slight, I think you could probably argue it, you know, in in a couple of different ways. I don't know that it's really explicitly, I, I, I think watching it again, it seems more plausible that, like, she knows she needs the magic to save Buffy. So that's what she's going to do is mm. to go get prepared and then come back. Um, sure. But there, I think there's a little ambiguity there of like, it almost seems like she kind of like just leaves. Like, you know, I mean, certainly that's kind of how Xander takes it. Cause she doesn't say where she's going. And he has that moment of, what do I do? Like mm-hmm. she's going one way, the ambulance is going another and he has to kind of choose to stick with Buffy and everything. Right. Um, so it could almost seem like an, a, a kind of abandoning of the situation at first. Um, and I don't know, like with the, with the kind of like addiction metaphor that we've talked about with her magic and everything, like I feel like, that's not the only thing going on here, but like that kind of goes along with that, that numbing that goes over her and like the kind of, she's not using it to escape clearly. Like it's not, the point of the magic isn't to like forget what's happened, you know, that it's like the opposite of that. But at the same time, there's still that kind of, you know, deadening of the immediate emotional effect of it all yeah you know um so that she is able to just smile at Buffy and say hi and say like this is what we're doing and this is the plan because you know the magic does give her power but it also kind of you know I guess it gives her power over her emotion too that she doesn't have to sort of deal with it that instant there yeah there's certainly a certain amount of focus and i i also wonder i I mean we don't really get any confirmation 
of this in the story. It's it's just something that maybe you could add as headcanon. But like, mm-hmm. you know, how much of her is like wanting to prove Osiris wrong, and so that's why she saves Buffy. Even like, sure. not that she doesn't want to save Buffy as her friend and everything. Like that's part of it, I'm sure, and a big part of it, perhaps most of it, but. Like there, like you almost wonder if it's like, oh, you know, Osiris said I can't control natural death, but watch me, mm-hmm. like watch me go save Buffy. Well, so one of the one of the titles we considered because it connects to lots of different characters is the one about bending the rules, and it does seem like that, like, like okay, I can't use, I can't bring her back magically because it wasn't a magical death. But I could use magic to save her through natural means. Like, I can use magic to extract a bullet and, like, magically perform surgery, you know, to kind of instantly heal her. So it's, like, it's not unnatural. She just used magic as her sort of implement of doing that. Um, And so it kind of does bend those rules without fully breaking them. Well, Um, and... and Again, if Buffy never actually dies, then well, this like is true. like that's yeah. the rule is you can't bring someone who dies someone at back. hand. Right. But if but if, if she's simply wounded, like right. you can help the wound apparently, right? Heal her. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think like Willow certainly is in an all you know a very numb like you said state and and whatever. But I don't think. Like, I don't think we should see her as wholly, you know, unfeeling or whatever. You know, she still knows that Buffy got shot mm-hmm. and Buffy's her best friend. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. that's, you know, understandable that she would go and help her, even if, like, Tara is sort of the main focus of what she's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think... I think there's the sense that she thinks Buffy will agree with her mm-hmm. about going to get Warren. Like it might be like this is Willow's version of rallying the troops and getting mm-hmm. Buffy and Xander and saying, "Okay, now let's go over. You know, go get this yeah. jackass who shot my girlfriend." Right. Um, because Willow does seem a little bit surprised, I think. And I, sorry, I'm moving ahead, so I don't know if no, no, go for it. Um, there is, there is, you know, that sense of like, like Willow's in the back seat, right, and Xander's driving, and she's sort of like telling him where to go. But it's like, for that little bit, they're the Scoobies again, right? Like, mm. and 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 only the Scoobies. Like, it's just the three originals in the car you know, going after Warren until, you know, and as long as, like, they're listening to Willow, like, it's perfectly fine. But it's when, like, Xander's, like, not willing to, like, turn off the road and drive into the middle of a cornfield that, or whatever field, that Willow takes control. takes over the wheel, yeah. and, And all of that. And then, you know, there starts being problems and, like, Willow stops them from you know moving forward and you know sort of takes things into her own hands by squeezing robot warren's throat and all of those Mm -hmm. kinds of things like so 
like you do like they don't really have a conversation i mean they they talk a little bit in the car um but they don't really have a conversation about what's going on and what's right and wrong to do until Mm-mm. after that right like willow's like come on we're gonna go find warren and kill him mm-hmm. and buffy's like well well no <laughs> mm-hmm. like we we can't do that we have to let the authorities you know handle things and right. and that's where like willow kind of realizes like oh this isn't whatever so i i could almost see like her going in to save buffy as I mean, yes, she's saving her friend's life, but also this is someone who can help me achieve the vengeance that I'm going to exact. Right. And then when Buffy shows that she's not going to help with that, Willow just goes off on her own. Yeah. 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 And so on their kind of disagreement about that, it like, you know, Buffy's point about... um uh, you know, kind of leaving it to, you know, the human sort of justice system and everything. It it kind of comes down to, you know, less of an argument as to what is effective. You know, it's sort of like at the end of the day, Buffy doesn't pretend that the human justice system is perfect. You know, it's sort of a question of do you accept its imperfection or not? You know, like in the face right. of like, as one thing, if it's Andrew and Jonathan, you know, like, you know, you know, not bad guys and dangerous and harmful for sure. But like, you know, they're not the the kind of embodiment of evil that Warren has turned out to sort of be like he's turned into like this kind of force of, you know, mm. um, you know destruction for them and everything so it's sort of like it's kind of just a question of like do you accept that the justice system is imperfect or not and does that justify letting it do its thing you know um and it's sort of like that's the disagreement you know for for Buffy you have to rely on it even though it sucks you know but you don't have the authority to there's no better alternative than that um where humans are concerned you know Mm. different story when it's demons and vampires and spirits and everything um whereas with willow it's that the fact that it's he's it's it might not work you know i mean even if it does work it won't necessarily give her the level of retribution that she's looking for um so there's a certain amount of like personal satisfaction that she's looking for. Mm. But then there's just also that question of what if he gets away? What if he gets caught and, you know, he, you know, gets off on the charges or whatever it is. And or that's an some unex- technicality or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It, that, that's an unacceptable outcome. Um, like there are some things too big to let, the police handle um you know and you know that's not buffy's position that she's kind of you know drawn that line of where humans are concerned um Yeah. yeah and it's interesting because that's 
like it's not just Willow who sort of holds that opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Like Dawn pretty much is right there with her. Like yep. she's like, yeah, good. Willow yeah. should go kill him. And Xander's not and Xander, too far off himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, is at least willing to be convinced. Like, uh, right, I mean, right. Xander kind of seems like maybe willing to concede that there are differences between humans and you know demons and vampires. But in the case of someone like Warren, he's kind of willing to look at him as one of the monsters of like. Yeah, the justice system is fine for humans, but Warren's, like, not really human anymore. Like, it in terms of, like, Xander looks at it more on, like, a moral scale of if you do a certain amount of things, you're as, if you're as bad as a vampire, you should get treated like one. Um, but yeah. there's, human is maybe more of a moral position than it is, like, a biological thing. Like, yeah. maybe if you kill innocent people do you still get to count as one of the humans from a justice point of view well and and so this further blurs our line right of like what a what is a demon like from kind of coming from the opposite direction is is what is what does it mean to be human and right if there can be good demons can there be demonic humans right do you count them as which category do they put them in yeah um so yeah yeah uh um so speaking of warren uh he he goes and hangs out at the demon bar so he seems kind of happy to count himself one of the monsters i think Um, uh like i don't think we see like I think this is Willie's, right? But like Willie isn't the one behind the counter. Like I, right, it, but it looks like the same bar. Yeah, yeah. It's either that or something like maybe very similar. Maybe but, it's yeah. changed ownership, or or Willie's just not there. Like it's second in command right. at the moment. Right, right. Um, yeah. So he kind of goes to brag, um, and kind of, um, you know is a bit, uh, more than a bit naive about the way of the world and everything, because you kind of realize, you know, it, it, it turns out that they know that Buffy's alive because they've seen it on the news and this gets back to him and everything. But like, you know, when I was watching it, I was thinking like, you know, if you're Warren or if you're a, a human who is aspiring to some level of villainy or being a big bad, it is kind of like not really in your best interest to take out the Slayer, you know, because, you know, the villain population, you know, it becomes a lot more competitive in that case. You know, like when the, when the, when he says like, you know, this town is ours and the vampires like ours, maybe Um, like actually like a, a world without the Slayer isn't necessarily in the best interest of the trio because then they're just sort of vampire food. Um, I mean, maybe they think they're special and can rule everything. Um, But, you know, when he's sitting there by himself in a, in a bar surrounded by demons and vampires, it, he doesn't seem quite so tough anymore. Um, Yeah. And, 
So there's this kind of sense that he's he's shooting his own feet at you know at every opportunity of like just going to make things he's screwed himself over in many different ways without realizing it. I think. Not uh, to mention pissing off Willow, which is the more immediate problem. But right. Yeah, he uh, he certainly you know has some big somethings to go in there. Um, I, you know, and I guess the only thing that I can sort of think of is that he, he's thinking that the demons will respect him because he killed the slayer and, and will just sort of like fall in line. Like this is his sort of like, uh, order of operations for how to become an evil overlord mm-hmm. right is do something dastardly and then all the other demons and whatnot we'll worship will fear you. will yeah. fear you yeah yeah or worship you or whatever and then you know and then you can just sort of like maybe but he doesn't yeah like there certainly seems to be more of a a cutthroatness like this is you know the demon underworld is more of the you know, you fight your way to the top rather than Mm -hmm. just sort of like people trust your accolades or whatever, especially when they're not actually true and you didn't actually do what you claim you're doing. Yes. That's even worse. But yeah, like one, even if he had succeeded, one grand gesture doesn't automatically kind of make you king of the hill or anything. And in fact, puts a target on you because... If right. you did kill the Slayer, okay, so you killed the Slayer, but now, you know, next in line is going to be looking to kill you, yep. you know, in order to take your place. Right. And if, and you, if you can't... And if you did kill the Slayer, then there's no Slayer to keep the demon population under control. So you're going to have many more right. assassins around looking to take you down and everything. Yeah. Um, so this is all sort of dawning on him um but um yeah but so you know we talked around it i don't think you know his plan is basically get out of town and you know while getting as many you know traps and weapons and everything as he can so he goes to rack who you know gives him some stuff but also kind of gives him more information about willow in particular and how powerful she is um yeah and kind of warns him about that um so and right and warren that's where he learns too that someone else has died Mm -hmm. because up to that point he doesn't know about tara being dead right um and i guess he doesn't even learn does he learn there is that where he learns that tara is dead or does he just learn that someone is dead and that Willow's angry with them. Like, I can't really I remember where... I don't remember for sure. Um, yeah. I don't remember for sure because, like, the paramedics don't know that, like, Tara's still in the house at this point. Like, right. that's not even necessarily on the news yet. Um, right. Maybe it's just that he learns that Willow is on the warpath and he doesn't necessarily have the details as to why. Um, yeah. Well, Rack but says... But you can see his kind of his lack of understanding of 
any sort of empathy, you know, because it's that, you know, well, I didn't shoot her. What does she care? Like, right. as if, as if everything happens to us in isolation and, you know, right. you, and, and that's the way Warren, I mean, Warren doesn't show a lot of compassion for his own friends and girlfriends. So why should he have the imagination to understand compassion in other people? Um, and that's his mistake, you know, is he thinks, you know, a gun shot at Buffy killing her is the end of his problems. Mm -hmm. um, but he's not factoring in the fact that she's not by herself. <laughs> and so, yeah. like, this is yeah. the fatal flaw is, you know, like actually like there are people who care about each other and some of them might be actually pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, well, you're right. And that goes all the way back to the, the idea of a slayer family of family friends. and friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. Like if you, if you want to be top dog, you can't just take out the slayer. Right. You'd have to take out all the people connected to her too, because it's a network of, you know, relationships and people with different, you know, some of them very dangerous skill sets. So um, I think that is his lack of understanding of like relationships and empathy is probably like his big, you know, weakness, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he runs from. Yep. Buffy and Willow. Well, Willow, I guess. He, mm -hmm. he knows at that point after going to see Rack. And he asks for some magical help from him. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So we already kind of mentioned the robot. Mm -hmm. Not a huge surprise. Like, apparently, right. apparently part of what he did was to, like, Willow says that she could sense his essence, you know, in the robot, whatever that means. And so... Apparent, like I, I just right. sort of assume that's some something sort of that spell on it. helps yeah. him to do. Um, right. Then she uses like blood magic to, mm -hmm. you know, go to find to sort of track him into the woods and whatever. Um, mm -hmm. Always, always a good idea. And uh, right, yeah, blood magic never has blood magic never never raises any complications. Yeah. Um, so she she follows him, uh, and well, he axes her in the back. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah. sort of again, sort of gloating. You, you know, before she just sort of stands up and pulls the axe out. Um, and again, like in a way, I mean, she's protected because of her, you know, her magical goth makeover and everything but like in a way again like his most effective things are always the most like mundane like right like it's whether it's with a gun or whatever like it like that's in a way the most visceral moment is that axing in the back of like nothing's beneath him really like yeah you know for all of his pretensions of this magical kind of warlord it's like that's him at his most dangerous is like perfectly mundane weaponry and everything um yeah and 
sneaking up from behind. It's like in the back right. and everything. Like it's it's a it's a cowardly move. Um, sure. Um, and then he has like a weird kind of like what I would what I would describe as like an eighth grader trying to make a snitch. Right, like it's like a boxy yeah, thing it did with look like wings. a snitch with the wings, right? yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and it like Willow's able to. It, it's like a bomb or something, and Willow's able to mm-hmm. stop that. And then the sort of goo that he mm-hmm. throws at her. Um, but yeah, like like these are all just kind of like like she even says like nice tricks, like mm-hmm. like these are little magic tricks, right? That mm-hmm. you know you would learn at a little, you know, trick store (laughs) or something that like, they're not, you know, again, just sort of showing how amateur he really is. Even presumably at this point, after getting Rack's help, Mm -hmm. like, like this is the best. These are some of the things that Rack gave him. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least, you know, gave him the ability to do like, it's not clear what Rack actually does for him, but like maybe Rack just like says, "Okay, here's here's some magic. Now go do mm-hmm. it." And these are like the best things that he could come up with, you mm-hmm. know, given those magical abilities. And and Willow's just kind of like waving them aside, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so well, okay. Should we just finish talking about Willow and Warren? We should just and then, finish. My outline yeah. was dumb. Um, <laughs> no, no, okay. I didn't mean that. But like, yeah, yeah, she, we're on a roll. She so she captures him. Yes, she does uh, with like vines or whatever from from nearby trees, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, things get kind of dark. Things get really dark. So yeah, and there's a kind of contrast between when she catches him the first time, or she thinks she does, with the robot, where. Mm. Like, yeah, she kills him, but she kills him, like, instantly. Like, she just sort of squeezes his head, you know? And so it was going to be just a quick, you know what, like, just get rid of this guy. And it's mm-hmm. done. Um, This time, that's not enough. <laughs> like, you know, and maybe it's the, the, because she got fooled once, she's even more angry than she was before of, like, that he tricked her and everything. Mm-hmm. Um. But she draws it out and, uh, you know, makes her point and makes him suffer before the end. So, um, you know, both like physically with like making the bullet go through him at like excruciatingly slow speeds, um, but also like some, you know, you know, more kind of psychological torture, too, with like bringing um Katrina back and kind mm. of having her talk about uh what he did to her and what she wishes she'd done to him, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, like she doesn't even I don't even know that Willow's like making her do do that. Like you I I kind of get the sense that Willow's just like somehow able to call like her spirit up from where no that i didn't yeah and i didn't mean to say other like that's how i saw it too was like this is katrina talking somehow yeah um Um, yeah or i mean could it be warren too 
Like, is she tapping into some... Like his subconscious or psy- Psyche of his. Yeah. You know? I mean, Neil... I mean, maybe he's not self-aware enough to have her be that honest. <laughs> yeah. That's the only uh, counter to that that I can see. Yeah. But, I mean, it does touch a nerve eventually. Like, it does get to him, you know? Um you know, like eventually he kind of tries to shrug it off, but he does end up, you know, screaming at her, you deserved it. Like, mm-hmm. so she's pushing whether or not he ever thought about anything from her point of view. Hearing her say those things does like push his buttons and everything. Yeah. Right. And I mean, this is all stuff that we've sort of seen little tiny bits and pieces of all along but yeah like willow you know the hard part is that like in a way like willow and don and xander are all kind of right that he is evil like Mm -hmm. like it's not just that like it's not like what you initially think about the trio that they're you know boys being boys or whatever pains in the butt yeah like or that they're just like, well, okay, like they were being mischievous and they took it a little too far, but you know, ultimately, whatever. Like this is like every step of the way, you kind of see that Warren's kind of liked the control and the mm-hmm. the bigger, you know, uh, uh, steps that he can take. Like the more he sort of gets a thrill out of it, and and Willow even says like you know, Buffy would have been your big O, right? Like, this was your climax, you know, Mm -hmm. that you were looking to have. And, you know, it's all about that control and the, the, you know, ways that he manipulates people in general, but especially the women that he, Mm -hmm. you know, came into contact with. Um and when when he wasn't able to do that, it leads to things like hitting them over the head with a wine bottle and killing them or, right. you know, shooting them. Um, right. right. When he can't control them, right. you know, with mind games or with his willpower, it, it turns violent. Um, yeah, so... If they are right and he's evil and totally deserves all of this, then, you know, again, back to Buffy's reasons why not. The big reason, besides, again, the arguments about, like, the justice system and everything, like, an even more compelling argument that Buffy makes is about, it's not about what he deserves. It's about what it does to the person who gets the vengeance on him. It's about... Even if he does deserve it, it's about what it'll do to Willow. And is there, there might not be a way to take that justice into your own hands without also destroying yourself in the process that it inevitably damages you if you take this kind of thing on yourself rather than letting the system handle it. Um, and that's that's an interesting point too, because in a way you have I, I've never thought of it this way before, but you almost have 
I, I hesitate to make this comparison, but it kind of works. You have Warren and Willow who are both, who both incrementally become, you know, more absorbed by their different addictions or whatever you Mm -hmm. want to call them. And, Mm -hmm. and so you have like earlier in the season when Willow's, you know, messing with people's memories and stuff and Mm -hmm. each time it becomes a little bit easier, a little bit easier. And that's kind of the same with Warren. Like it Mm -hmm. becomes a little bit easier, becomes a little easier. And like, say what you will, but they are both kind of like addictions in a way. And not Mm -hmm. that like, I'm not trying to excuse Warren or Willow either. Like, I'm not really trying to excuse either of them for what the things that they do, but but you do see how that, you know, one action leads to it being easier the next time and then even easier the following time and, and that kind of thing. And so that's also the fear, too, like you said with Buffy, that what will this do to Will? Like, like Willow makes a big deal about, oh, you've killed before. Like, this isn't your first time. And so that's when she brings back trina right Mm -hmm. but for willow like willow doesn't see like this is willow's first time not necessarily first time killing demons and whatever but like the 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 same sort of cold-blooded murder because that's what it Mm -hmm. is like she can you know you can call it vengeance or whatever a punishment but like you know slowly pushing a bullet through warren's chest that's not like like you can have vengeance and still make it quick, right? right. <laughs> like, right. you know, there's a certain malevolence and and there's a line Enjoyment. that she's crossing <laughs> yeah. in order to do this that, you know, makes yeah. it, you know, like how much is she getting pleasure out of that as much as Warren got pleasure out of the things he did? Mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. It's very, very similar in some ways. Um, Yeah. No, I mean, the differences are mostly ones of, like, magnitude of, like, what the kinds of things that... And and motivation. Like... And and motive... Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah. But they're not... But it's a difference of degree, not of kind, necessarily. Sure. Um, Or you see how... Warren is the extreme logical extension of the kinds of things that Willow has been messing around with in the season. Um, or the way that this as the kind of her just going all in on it suddenly. Yeah. She doesn't look so different from, you know, the kinds of things that, you know, she's punishing Warren for. Um, yeah, or or which, at least you know, I'm sure ties into the ambiguity of the title of villains. You know, of like sure, you like know, who are the villains? Is, is, a, is a multiple. Yeah. You know, there's a plural there, and the number isn't specified. And like, all right, at what point? You know, when does Willow start to cross that line yeah. into you know villainous behavior? Um, yep. Um, all right. So, so, and I mean, so finishing up the, the, yeah. you know, the, 
the biggest point about, I mean, besides the fact that she draws it out and takes her time, you know, I think the the biggest point that you kind of lets you know that you she's, um, she is enjoying this in some sick kind of way is the callback to her vampire doppelganger of, you know, bored now, you know, and the fact that there's a, there's a pleasure element in this. Um, mm. And, you know, that she's enjoying herself in some sense. Um, so, yeah. And then she uh, rips his skin off. Just kind of, uh, after all that, does dispatch with him quickly, but like in a really particularly gruesome way. Yeah. Um, and then burns him up so there's nothing left. Yep. Um, you know, so it's like, it's quick, but it's, painful i'm sure like it's a quick but agonizing death and then gets rid of all the evidence there's no trace of him he doesn't exist anymore she just completely obliterates him um so kind of gets him at every single way and level she possibly can yep and then, and then disappears well (laughs) two two to go and and then you're right she says one down Right. Right. So. Right. Like, right. Which is an interesting. Um, it's an interesting structure because she starts with the worst offender. You know, mm-hmm. like rather than work her way up. So we're if we're heading into the end of the season, rather than it have a be an escalating thing of Willow hunting down the trio, and each one is a little bit worse, and she gets a little bit worse each time. It's like. No, we went straight to the worst guy and she went all the way in dealing with him. And now she's going to go backtrack and deal with these other two who are not good guys, but they're also not Warren, you know? So, like, it's an interesting way to kind of, you know, approach this, you know. Well, and there's two episodes left in the season. So I'm not sure. not going to say anything, but yeah. Um, oh, the, 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 the next episode is called two to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which obviously is playing. I mean, I only say that cause it's playing off of that ending. Yes. Right. So yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to give anything away or say, you know, one thing or another, but yeah, you have Buffy and, and Xander and Anya like standing there mm-hmm. kind of aghast and just mm-hmm. like not like just sort of in shock of like what even happened. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, that that board now is, I mean, like you like iconic, like you can't not remember that. Right. Yeah. And see yeah. that. Um, there's another suggestive too of I think we remembered talking back when we talked about that episode of like the extent to which those alternate universe ones are like plausible extensions of the characters you know it's sort of like which we again we got that at the time but this is calling back to that notion of, of it's that that type of evil lurks within everybody you know and sort of like waiting for the circumstances to bring it out you know yeah well and 
right like personality wise like even even her saying like i think i'm kind of gay like and then it turns out later that oh she actually is and but yeah like now you know and and so but there's also i think the the parallel of with the board now of not just that like it's like we've seen that before but yeah like this is an explicit reference to like is she now she's human right yeah but has she now crossed the line into evil right and so right like if if john or not jonathan if warren can become sort of demonic just by his behavior you know yeah yeah like and so for willow too so what's the like if we're if we're if we're going down the eye for an eye route here Mm -hmm. that dawn and xander to some degree and willow obviously all advocate then what's the proper way to deal with willow at this point right because you could argue that what she does is in some ways even worse than what warren does Mm -hmm. warren killing trina is terrible yes and all of the stuff that led up to that and the, you know, manipulation and, and whatever. Um, but at least if, if you can pull in at least out of it, it's at least it was him panicking and like hitting her over the head to just like stop her. Like it was kind right, of a thoughtless un- unpremeditated. action. Right. Right. Like if we're talking about degrees now, of murder and everything. Now, yeah. now Buffy's, Clearly, he his attempt there is premeditated, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, Tara's, it's a manslaughter. It's a ricochet, right? Like, it's not mm-hmm. a, not something, uh, you know, that he premeditated there with her, mm-hmm. her death, at least. So again, like, all of those are bad things. I do no way I'm trying to, like, excuse Warren. Right. <laughs> but if if we're sort of accepting those as on a continu- on a continuum of some kind then willows certainly seems like it's worse yeah. because of how she pursues and tracks him down and you right. know right tortures so him to... and then the 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 nastiness of the actual death right right and so we're back to the kind of Buffy versus everybody else debate of like, do you go with the imperfect as it is human justice system again, in which there are things like degrees of murder where it matters, like where everything you can figure out what the appropriate box is based on action and motivation and all that stuff. And you can say like, because of this, this, and this, it counts as a manslaughter or this degree of murder. And therefore this level of punishment is appropriate or whatever, Mm. you know, or do you, so that's kind of one, you know, option. The other one is a more, a purely kind of, you know, emotionally or morally motivated, you know, system where it's like, it doesn't, matter if it was accidental because Warren is an evil guy, (laughs) you know, like it doesn't matter that it was 
Tara that he hit because he meant to kill Buffy, you know, um, or, and so it, it's not about figuring out the system of what it belongs to. It's about the fact that like Warren is, you know, a bad person and Willow has, you know, righteously motivated vengeance or whatever, you know, and like, that's the, you know. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, we know where Buffy, you know, falls, but like, like you said, Dawn and Xander and Anya and some of the others are less convinced that Buffy's very rational, clear cut way of looking at it is the best way. Um, mm. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of my question. Like, I, I mean, I think, I think Buffy seems like she's going to be wanting to stop Willow from killing Andrew and Jonathan. I am less sure about what Xander thinks the right thing is to do other than, other than if Buffy's the leader, we follow her lead, even if we don't always agree with it. Um, but yeah, well, and the, I mean, and of course, Jonathan and Andrew. I mean, they they don't know anything about the infighting, first of all, right? Uh, right. Between right. Jonathan right. and Andrew and Warren, like right. like Jonathan's unit, already as been, far as they know, yeah. You know, questioning things and and even maybe would have left had he had the opportunity before now, but like stayed because he feel like you could almost argue that at this point Jonathan's coerced into mm -hmm. you know doing those things um right andrew clearly sycophantic and mm -hmm. you know whatever but just doesn't have the same capability or drive as warren oh mm -hmm. and almost like you get the sense that that's why he worships warren so much is because he knows he's not right. in the same a leader right yeah uh yeah, level or whatever of mm -hmm. badness that Warren is. Um, mm -hmm. And clearly they didn't shoot the gun. So right. like, like at what point, at what point do you say like, okay, even if, even if you were able to justify killing Warren because he killed Tara. Mm hmm what justification do you now have to going after the other two mm -hmm. beyond just that? Yes, they helped with some other previous annoyance type stuff, mm -hmm. but again, they weren't involved in the killing of Tara and Warren seems to have acted pretty. I mean, the other two are locked up in jail. So like, right, right. like Warren did all of that out of, you know, his own desire and action. Like, mm -hmm. so it's just, you know, it, it, I guess goes back to that escalation and the next time it's easier, you know, with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, with, with Willow, because now she can go presumably kill them. Like that seems to be what she's heading off mm -hmm. to do. And it's that much easier now for her. Right. Right. And it takes less justification of like, right. 
it doesn't mean right. that they have to have been the ones to pull, you know, the trigger and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, not too much with them specifically in this episode. We're kind of reminded that they're sitting there in jail, um, uh, <laughs> just all locked up and waiting for Willow, so they can't even, like, run if she shows up, so that's not looking uh, too good for them. Um, okay. Finishing up with the other characters, um, we talked a bit about Dawn. Um, so I guess like two things I wanted to mention with her. The one is just the scene of her finding Tara, you know, because oh, yeah. in all the chaos, you do forget that like, okay, where's Dawn? And it's like suddenly she shows up and, and you know, I had this kind of creeping dread of like, oh no, mm. she's going to find her and nobody's there so you know what is she gonna think and that she ends up kind of you know sitting there with her is like a kind of upsetting uh you know upsetting thought and like especially because like she is still only like what like 15 or 16 years old and everything so yeah the fact that she's stuck there on her own with no idea what's going on is sort of horrific um and then, uh, so she can't go, she's not allowed to go, you know, Willow searching with them. So she wants to go somewhere safe. Of course she wants to go with Spike. Um, you know, which brings up a problematic question. And it's like, oh, I don't know how I feel about how quick Buffy is to agree to that. I mean, I do understand that they're on a clock and you know, uh, she has her reasons, as she said, like Spike physically can't hurt her and he doesn't seem like he would want to, um, you know, and, and Dawn does trust him and everything. And those are all perfectly true and valid reasons. And yet, you know, there's something about the principle of the thing, you know, that's like, this is like the next day, <laughs> you know? After, yeah, it's like, not that long. Like, yeah, a like day or two at the most. Right. The, like, rape attempt and everything. So it's like, hmm, you know. Um, I'd be surprised if that wasn't, like, controversial from, like, a fan viewer perspective, you know. Just from a, like, decision-making yeah. level of, you know. Um, you know, what does that communicate about how... Not that anything is forgiven or forgotten, but just that how quickly it's Buffy decides to move on from that, um, you know, is, you know, a question, I guess. Yeah. Um, I... And if and if it's not, that's that's fine. I know? well, but I don't, it, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I I definitely understand what you're saying, and and I feel like so Marty Noxon wrote this episode, mm -hmm. um, and she has Xander say, 
you know, I forget exactly what he calls Spike, but right, Xander definitely voices the like, opposition. To yeah, that. like Xander yeah, yeah. voices that. So I, like, I don't, like, it's certainly not something that's just like, oh, They're we'll 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 put this in here and hope nobody remembers that. Like, right, like they didn't like forget. Almost or got raped yeah. by him, you know, last episode. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's that, but I, I do think it's kind of like the things that you said that it's, they're on a clock and there's limited choices available and they do want someone who can protect on and presumably the chip is working for everyone except Buffy. And even the others right. don't really know that, like, this is the thing that like, I'm almost, I, I don't mean, so I was going to say, I, I think I'm almost more irritated in some ways by like the fact that mm -hmm. Xander doesn't ask like, well, wait, is his chip not working or anything? Like nobody asks, seems to ask that question of like, how is he able to hurt Buffy right, right. and whatever. Um, but yeah, like, I don't like, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I don't know how much that aspect of the story was controversial like that that being uh the aspect of taking don to spikes mm -hmm. um because i do think you get the sense that don and spike have always had sort of a protective like don, mm -hmm. like there's always been a protective thing there whereas yeah. with buffy and spike it's always been like it's been a lot more um contentious and whatever so mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm fumbling to try to justify it. I don't, I'm not trying to justify it or knock it one way or the other. Because I honestly mm -hmm. don't know what, like, sort of the contemporary fan response was. Um, but I yeah, do, I do, even... I, I, I do want to say that definitely just even having that attempted rape scene. And I, I mean, I know we talked about it already, was mm -hmm. hugely controversial. So I'm yes, sure right. there must have been people who did not like right. that aspect of it all. But but I, I think it would be, like, it seems clear that they definitely thought through some of those mm -hmm. implications and at least nominally voiced concern through Xander about Sure, it. and I'm not even sure that I think that, like, the writing is flawed because like I can see like a Buffy characterization that where she is choosing to not make a big deal out of it, you know? And I mean, not that I think that's a good or a healthy choice, but I could see that it could be a realistic choice of sure. And of she her, even... of her just deciding like, you know, I mean, because how many people do have things happen to them and then never tell anybody about it or feel like they can't, you know, uh, do anything about it. And so it just is allowed to sort of never go addressed. So I don't even I don't even necessarily think it's like unrealistic or anything. Um, but from a character point of view, I think it's a it, there's a problematic element to it even though i think she does all have those reasons she lists are all true it's not like anything she says is necessarily wrong i think it's just that there's this thing 
what Xander says about like, you know, well, we don't really know what he's capable of at this point. I think that's true too. Um, you know, cause it's like, she probably never thought he would have done that to her and he did. Um, I mean, since he's been sort of in love with her and everything anyway. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to kind of mention that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and it's not even like it's just a gimmick to get Spike involved in the plot because they go to his crypt and he's not there. So <laughs> it's like, you know, they go and Clem is hanging and, and kind of subletting, you know, like taking care of his. Yeah. You know, or at least house his sitting. TV or, and yeah. yeah um, crypt, crypt sitting. And, and he seems uh, nice enough and they're kind of going to hang out and, you know, um, watch movies and stuff um and then he tells them that spike's gone for a while potentially um so i mean we don't get a lot but you know we get to see him off like in africa already like he's mm. like you know took a red eye to some remote Af african village and you know uh it, well it would have to be a red eye right so it doesn't yeah. get this get the sun oh that's true that's a good point. Um, yeah, that would be complicated flying as a vampire, trying to work out the time difference and everything. Especially um, flying east because you have less making time. Making sure work you don't with. hit yeah. the sunrise, yeah. yeah. Um overseas and everything. So uh, you know, we don't get a huge amount of detail, but he finds, you know, a kind of village with, you know, some shaman and everything and and he wants to return to his former self, um, you know, so he's going to kind of fight and prove that he's still the vicious demon that he always was. And then when he wins his fight, he's going to, you know, uh, show Buffy, you know, what uh, what he's made of and everything. So that's kind of where we leave him. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, finishing up Anya and Xander. Not a ton of stuff with him, but they are by necessity inhabiting the same physical space. Like, you know, they are not able to avoid each other in this episode. Um, and Anya helps, but, you know, more out of, uh, you know, loyalty to Willow and that relationship. It's not that... Like she kind of makes it clear it's not really about helping Xander. It's yeah. you know, well, and, and it's kind it... of ambiguous what she means by that. You know, like yeah. does helping Willow mean protecting Willow from herself, or does it mean in a kind of I support her in her vengeance kind of? Well, way? and that's what I was going to ask is is do you think it's like because she does say it and like all right, but I'm helping Willow and like another any other tv show in any other situation you would think like oh that's because they were friends at one point and right. willow didn't do anything to piss her off but like yeah like it totally could be like i'm helping willow because willow is in a vengeful mood and mm -hmm. like i'm a vengeance demon <laughs> so right. Right. like that's why i'm helping so yeah right and it seems like it could be that because 
they really just need Anya to help find Willow. So it's sort of like they're willing to use her for that. Like, yeah. whatever side she's on, as long as we can but find Anya's her, that's like, the main thing. Anya's not going to, like, step in and stop Willow. Right, right. Um, that said, Anya does seem appropriately appalled shocked by along the with right, the others right. so right you know i think what whatever her motive for going with them to help willow like she does seem at least somewhat in the same boat and she tries to stop willow in the magic mm-hmm. shop right so yep. yep like i don't i don't think that it's i mean i don't think it's purely vengeance if 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 vengeance is a part of it, like that might be the case, but I don't think it's purely a vengeance thing mm-hmm. that Anya is helping Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. All right. Well, we went over, but you know, maybe we don't have to go so long on the yeah. SG episode of Stormal. Well. Um, and and we so, have a we have a cliffhanger, right? So, we do have a cliffhanger, um, I, which actually let me say my one production note, which is that this is the like mid season finale, so it's mm. the cliffhanger, which leads into like the Christmas break for like uh, a little okay. bit over a month or something. So, gotcha. um, kind of spans the two halves of the season. Yeah, and I think at this like I wasn't I didn't start watching till later, so by the time like like this had already like there was no break when i watched it because like that had already oh, right. passed yeah. and stuff yes um, so right right but if you had been watching live this would have been a right you know a, a, a little a little break yeah i get i mean that's also true of all of buffy because i didn't watch buffy till it had been off the air for like seven years so right like that's <laughs> how i am with everything yeah. yeah um actually it sucks when you catch up to stuff and now you're like ah I know. To wait along with the rest of the peasants and, yeah. My brother and I were talking about that the other day with, you know, a couple current shows. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, I always forget, like, how terrible it actually is to watch TV, like, when it's going live. Apart from Christmas specials, you know, uh, this new season of Doctor Who, it's been, like, almost a year and a half since there's been new Doctor Who. It's like, good God. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. All that said, we should talk about Battlestar Galactica. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It is a cliffhanger. And I feel like whenever we talk about cliffhanger episodes, it, it does seem kind of thin up front because it's a lot of mm-hmm. moving around. It's all set up. Yeah. And, and then you get like a lot of the meat the second half. Um, yeah. Part ones are hard. This and And this one is... I mean, there are a lot of characters, but like as you pointed out, like it's it's really just sort of plot movement here, there, and everywhere. So I feel like the biggest personal like character stuff that we get is between Lee and Starbuck and Sam and D, the mm-hmm. little foursome there. But like we already know what's going like like this right. isn't really anything new, except that oh, okay, Lee and Starbuck are sleeping together this week again. Like, right, right. I guess it's that it's 
restart it started up right it's an active it's not just they slept together or that they have feelings or that they have tension or give each other looks it's like an active affair now i guess that's the big you know right thing that we learned that this is an ongoing and decision like, that they're making yeah like starbuck is taking more assignments to the planet than mm. maybe is would otherwise be her allotment and that kind mm-hmm. of thing um and once again like sam and d both know what's going yes. on like and probably other people too it's like way back in the beginning when you had the chief and boomer right like sneaking off and like having their little arguments and it's like everybody you had callie like rolling her eyes and like everyone right. knew what was going on so yeah right. Why i don't bother with the pretense i yeah. don't i don't even know that like we need to get into sort of all of that um mm-hmm. you know lee and starbuck kind of, like they they have a disagreement insofar as lee's like ready to like divorce d and like be with starbuck yeah. again like this is Right. All right. He said he's, the same thing. He's not shouting, yeah. you know, out loud on the beach anymore. But like, he's ready to drop it all and go with her. And and she's like, yeah, but no, but like, I'm married and that's sacred. Um, <laughs> which is the most ridiculous thing for her to say. And yeah. and that whole conversation just irritates me because, and I think it irritates me mostly because I ha- I know or have known people like that. Where it's mm-hmm. like, and maybe not even like to the level of cheating on your spouse, but it's like, I profess to hold this moral stance, mm-hmm. but then we'll completely be okay with doing something that clearly is not within the bounds of that moral stance, <laughs> whatever right. that may be. And so like, that just, that hypocrisy mm-hmm. always, oh, well, I'm not breaking anything. I'm just bending the rules. Ah, you're right. bending them pretty darn far. Like that. Right. Right. That doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, something that like like if you if if you weren't doing something wrong, then why not just like go ask mm-hmm. a priest about it or you know let everyone know what's going on. Like if you really think that it's okay what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. But right. I mean, well, and I think that is, you know, that's funny you say like you like that's a recognizable thing because I feel like, um, you know, Starbuck is often maybe one of or most or the most like in many different areas one of the most hypocritical characters. You know that she's very quick to call others and judge others on their failings while violating those you know similar things herself or or talking out of both sides of her mouth saying one thing and doing another whatever but so she is frustrating that way but it's often in very recognizable ways at least to me it's like sure like every time I catch myself kind of going like like that's a ridiculous thing to say and do and then you kind of think about it you're like you know like people do that like like that's you know you've known again maybe not quite this extreme or this explicit or at least if they were I wasn't aware of it you know if I knew people who were doing stuff like this but um but you know that uh 
that she's so consistently that way that, you know, it kind of, that's just her character at this point, but it is very hard to, um, I think for most of us, it's a hard thing to relate to personally, like, you know? Yeah. And I guess, does it, does it just go, so is this a true philosophical disagreement of, is it better to cheat or get divorced and which is more morally, you know, you know, odious or whatever, but mm -hmm. like, so is this a true disagreement between them or is it back to kind of the same old stuff that we saw like on new Caprica where it was like, okay, Lee wants a commitment and Kara doesn't. And this is just her way of not committing not by like, remaining committed by remaining committed to Sam, which isn't truly committed because she doesn't honor it. She therefore doesn't have to fully commit to Lee, you know, so that she can have her cake and eat it too. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that uh, seems to be a very valid interpretation when it comes to Starbuck. <laughs> I mean, like, and there's definitely been things like we've gotten references to her having maybe more um, legalistic religious beliefs than some other people do. So I don't think it's totally out of line to say like, well, I don't violate the sacraments and whatever, but like, maybe it is just, that's a convenient excuse, mm -hmm. you know? Um, sure. Um, yeah. So the other part of this is that um, later on in the episode, you know, Sam and Lee are talking and Lee sort of initially tries to deny anything. And Sam's like, come on, dude, I, I know my wife. Like, yeah. I know what's going on. Um, right. And, and the, you're not even the first. So the kick of like, you know, like she's had probably had other affairs before you and you know that right? well and like, so that, maybe you're not so that's the question though because that's where i was actually going do do you actually think that's true like i don't know like because i i almost wonder if that's not just sam trying to knock lee down a peg i think it is i think it could be sam believing that it's true whether or not he knows that for a fact you know like well but i'm saying like like maybe sam knows it's not true and like sure. is just lying to lee mm -hmm. to knock him down a pit like i don't like what i mean is that like mm -hmm. like maybe kara doesn't and maybe that's why sam because sam's upset about it like it's not like Mm -hmm. Sam's okay with the situation. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, his words sort of imply that he's like, like, I know my wife and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, like, it's not like you're even the first, but like, like maybe Lee is, and maybe that's why Sam gets so irritated by it. But, mm. but it's just a way for Sam to sort of knock Lee off his high horse a bit. Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think we have to take Sam's words mm -hmm. at face value there. 
but I don't, sure. I don't know. I mean, I don't necessarily have a reason not to either. So I don't, I, I'm right. just saying like either interpretation could be mm-hmm. valid in that case. Um, yeah. And then, and then there's also, of course, so this is a, a mirror of Ty and Ellen too. Mm. Right. Like, Ty knew who his wife was and that she mm-hmm. was frequently with other guys too. So there's, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, like we've seen the, the wild swings in relationship that Starbuck right. and Ty have had, but like, right. this is another sort of like parallel to that. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, along with the drinking and whatever. Um, general toughness um but yeah yeah i don't so so that of course all leads into uh sort of where we are when when the cylons come and there's a threat right to um the work they're doing on the planet there and uh you know so Lee sort of has to command Sam to take charge of the civilians and, you know, he doesn't like it and blah, blah, blah. But then also Starbuck ends up getting shot down and Sam wants to Mm -hmm. go after her. But Lee says they can't, you know, because, you know, they can't do a, a rescue party or whatever because they need everyone to help defend against Cylons and Sam gets mad and says he's going anyway and blah, blah, blah. Um, but again, like yeah. this is all like, none of that's really unexpected. It's all sort of moving people around and, and mm-hmm. causing that tension. I don't know that there's a lot to say about it. Um, beyond sure. that it happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know that I disagree with that. Um, or have a lot, uh, a lot to add um so beyond that then you've got also on the planet you have Tyrrell right mm-hmm. um who like <laughs> my my note for Tyrrell is uh he looks around like he hears something and then goes traipsing off into the brush like you know <clears throat> yep you okay like I get like they're trying to like he's kind of like maybe Moses going out into the wilderness or something. Right. And like, sure. Seems he like call. he's hearing yeah. the call of God and whatnot. Um, and he finds this cave. It turns out to be a temple of the five. And um, you learn that like, he's the son of priests and, and mm-hmm. you know, you get some of the story that he tells Callie about, you know, going naked into the Holy of Holies and, you know, with porn magazines and whatnot. But Okay, like, again, this is, you know, just kind of like, you need to have someone find, mm. like, this thing. And, like, our our normal weirdo, Baltar, isn't around. So, like, we, no, need, we, we need, need someone else need to sort of else. have the, the weird, random, right. you know, pull of whatever. Um, right. Well, and so... I guess in terms of why is it, you know, the chief that gets, you know, to do this part of the story, um, like it, it, 
he is one of the ones who has had kind of maybe more weird experiences. Like there was the whole um, bit of him with his sort of death wish dreams and everything. Um, sure. You know, so he's had, I mean, I think that, I mean, maybe, maybe that's the only other time, but there have been suggestions of him as um, having significant, I guess, dreams in the past, but maybe more attuned to those like spiritual things than, you know, some sure. other characters. Um, so it, I feel like there's some, you know, yeah. uh, continuity with that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And which I think from that, we knew that his, you know, parents were, you know, priests and everything. Um, which I didn't feel like we had as much of a sense before of his like rebellion against that upbringing. Um, like maybe it wasn't something that he necessarily truly believed or valued like they did, but here you get more of a sense of like his rebellion and, you know, kind of wanting to go against his parents, you know, mm -hmm. at least that's what he says. Although then Callie talks about how he has like a reference for the, the temple. So you can only really, um, you know, defy your upbringing so far. Like some of it is just ingrained in you, whether you like it or not. And so he has some affinity for the temple, even if he wishes that he had nothing to do with the gods and the religion and everything. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, Tyrrell finds the Temple of the Five um, which Roslyn wonders if it's related to the Eye of Jupiter, which we've heard before mm -hmm. um, from Baltar and Three, was it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, I mean, he doesn't know, they don't know, but clearly, like, you have Rosalind sort of digging deeper into these scriptures to try to figure out what's going on. Um, and of course, Temple of Five, like, think yeah. of the final five Cylons and, and all of that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, again, not sure there's much to say more about Tyrrell than that, just that he's sort of there at the end, like looking for the eye of Jupiter in the uh, recently rigged temple um, mm -hmm. and doesn't know where to look for it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, anything else for like the sort of planet stuff other than, I mean, okay, so we know that, like, a Cylon Heavy Raider gets sent there sort of early on. Oh, so, all right, so, sorry, backing up. The Cylon mm -hmm. show up while everyone's down on the planet surface. Um, we find out later that Three has a, a Heavy Raider sent with a bunch of, you know, uh, machine Cylons to... Um, or centurions, right? Um, mm -hmm. To 
to kind of go down and um you know fight their way into the temple i guess um Mm -hmm. and then by the end of the episode three and baltar are also sort of on their way down um but before that they go to the galactica to do their negotiations um Mm -hmm. and of course everyone's surprised at first to hear baltar uh because Mm -hmm. they don't even they don't know at that point that he's still alive, right? Like, or does someone, didn't someone say something about Baltar being alive? Yeah. I don't remember when, though. I feel like they found out at some point, but I don't remember what the so they, details are. They hear him anyway. It's more like, if it's not surprise at him being alive, it's more just like a visceral negative reaction to hearing his voice sure. like just the way his his voice that smarmy voice comes over the the pa system and everybody kind of like you know yeah uh and unexpected you know. yes right um so yeah so they a contingent of cylons plus baltar comes on and you so you have like three and six and Cavill um, mm-hmm. and Boomer. Uh, but Boomer's forced to wait outside with Athena and a couple Marines guarding her. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ty's not putting, uh, not taking any chances of putting mm-hmm. her and Adama in the same room again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, well, we might. Nah, I'll save that because we're going to talk about Boomer. Oh, well, going. we. I mean, we can talk about them now, real quick, just because I don't have much for them. But, uh, I mean, so the only thing I kind of wanted to make sure to hit with Boomer is is this. Um, she seems, you know, I mean, she has been bitter for a while, considering what she's been through, but um, more so. Um, she's lost that sense of wanting to, you know, re, you know, redeem herself or reintegrate herself with the humans, you Mm. know, like even when she was a Cylon living amongst the Cylons, you know, or had the idea of, you know, turning over a new leaf and reconciling and peace and love and all that stuff. There was a sense of like, even though she maybe knew she was a Cylon, she could get back her old family and her old way of life. And I feel like that's gone at this point, you know, that as she walks through that hallway, um, there's not the sense of what Baltar talks about of like, Oh, I'm home. It's like, sure. She's, she's alienated now. And she looks like, you know, it's not even like she really wants to come back necessarily. Um, and I think the way she talks to Athena kind of solidifies that. It's like she's there to plant seeds and cause trouble and, um, you know, not really looking to make friends, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. No, I think that's all definitely true. Um, but yeah, I mean, so... Well, one, yeah, like Athena recognizes Boomer and tells Ty, and that's how she kind of has to stay out there. But there's this, um, 
conversation between the two of them. Um, although Boomer does a lot of the talking and mm. basically tells Athena that Hera's still alive. Um, and then Athena's like, well, I don't know if I agree with you or I don't know if I believe you. And, you know, Boomer's like, well, someone's lying and it's not me. And blah, blah, blah. But uh, basically learns that Hera is alive on the base ship um, and tells her that she was hidden at Rosalind's school on New Caprica. Um, which, you know, Athena is probably turning her wheels at that point because, you know, now that's gone. So um, later, Adama, Adama somehow finds this out. And so that's one of the questions that I always had is, you know, does he find mm -hmm. this out from Athena or mm -hmm. from someone else? Like, and if so, who? Like, right. like presumably right. it's Athena, but I don't know. I don't know who else yeah. would have gotten that info from. Um, but anyway, Dama goes and tells Rosalind about it, and they sort of try to... Well, I mean, so Rosalind just is kind of like surprised, first of all, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, like, try to figure out, like, okay, like, what do we do next as far as that goes? Um, well, and it's a it's a break between Adama and Rosalind that like you get the sense that like he didn't know about this and he doesn't agree with it that like sure. she starts to try to explain and he like is like I'm out of here you know so he's more Rosalind more concerned with the political implications of you know you know keeping the baby secret not telling the parents where is the baby in the fleet all that kind of thing Adama more concerned with like the the damage that this has done to his relationship with Athena because he's putting a lot of trust in her, you know, in someone who has, you know, joined him, turned away from her own people. Um, so it's not a good look to suddenly find that he's yeah. like unwittingly like betrayed her and everything. Um and if he says he didn't know about it, like, well, why should she believe him, really? Um, you know, and then I guess the 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 final beat being her saying, I want to see her. And that's putting Adama in an awkward position of, like, on the one hand, she has every right to want to see her. On the other hand, what can he, can he allow that, you know, and what can he do about that? So. Sure. Sure. So yeah, I guess that's kind of left as one of the cliffhangers, but um so yeah, so Rosalind learns about Hera and all of that. Um also you have Gaeta mentioning that oh, by the way, as if things aren't bad enough at the moment, uh the super the star right next to us is about to go supernova. Um mm -hmm. could be today, could be tomorrow, could be a few years from now, but just wanted to let you know that. Any moment now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's another, like, okay. So you had pointed out, too, that there was sort of an increasing 
uh, severity of explosions about to go on because uh, you've got the ground crew wiring the temple, you know, mm-hmm. with explosives uh, in case the Cylon should invade. You've got Adama who, after some pretty bad negotiations with the Cylons, basically threatens to nuke the entire planet if they try to set foot on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have this star that mm-hmm. is right next to the planet that's about to go supernova and destroy everyone. Um, yeah. So yeah, lots of lots of fun there to sort of be had. <laughs> um, I guess the only other thing is hopping over to the Cylons real quick. Um, so they're at the negotiations, and um, you get Cavill trying, like, trying to pull a fast one, basically, and and keeping uh, or, or giving Baltar, I mean, to uh, the Galactica crew uh, as part of you know to sweeten the deal, so to speak. Right. If uh, right. if if they'll you know, let the Cylons take um, right the temple and, and, I, and the Eye of Jupiter and stuff. And I like how this is always a part, one of Cavill's contingency plans. It's like, wasn't that his idea on New Caprica too? Was like, maybe oh, if was we it? execute, if we publicly execute Baltar, oh, right. it'll like suppress the rebels, you know? Right. And so like here, it's like, he's always kind of like, I mean, not that those aren't useful ideas, but it's also like he's maybe also looking for ways to get rid of Baltar, you know, is yeah. also part of the motivation. Um, or at the very least, he doesn't mind sacrificing Baltar if it achieves whatever yeah. purpose he has. Um, and then on the base ship, like even stronger, not just sacrifice Baltar, but like eradicate the human pestilence, mm-hmm. right? Like that's really what it's all about and he doesn't care he's kind of like adama's ready to raise the planet if it will prevent the cylons from getting whatever information out of the temple right and cavill's Mm -hmm. kind of the same way he's kind of like who cares if we don't find earth right now like yeah so what like we're machines we we, live forever yeah we need to figure out how to kill the people uh and then we can, you know, move on. But yeah, um, yeah, Cavill definitely is okay with just sort of throwing people and things and whatever away. Um, and then you have three and six in Baltar, and their little triangle seems to be breaking up, um, mm-hmm. particularly with six sort of being jealous right. that she's not involved with the conversations and, and other things that three and Baltar are doing. Um, feel Caprica's feeling a little left out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is like three. Yeah. Her, like, and like what, yes, I, I was going to say like, right. and, and for good reason, because yeah, she is being left out. Um, right. And, and even Baltar who it's like, gosh, you know, like if anybody's maybe, earned Baltar's loyalty, it might be Caprica 6, but he's so focused on this figuring out the final five that he's willing to kind of let number three dump her mm. if uh, if it means he can go on this kind of quest and figure out the true answer to who the last Cylons are. 
Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting then that like when they talk about uh, when they talk about love, because then Caprica, because Caprica asks like, like she's asking him questions about like what they're doing, what they're going after. And, and she says, I love you both. And they're both like, yes, we love you too, but you still can't come with us. <laughs> like, this is our thing, not yours. And, mm-hmm. and it's very, and then you get both hair like, oh, it's not personal. It's, you know, transcendent right. Um, right. and all of that, which doesn't sound very convincing coming from no. um And then three saying, pray for us and we'll pray for you. And like all of those sort of epithets that you get people mm-hmm. saying to one another. But yeah, you know, Caprica is definitely being sort of pushed aside and, mm-hmm. uh, even in the decision to send uh, centurions to the planet, like Caprica was mm-hmm. left out of that. And it's not clear who else, who all, who all was in on the decision, but it seems like, I mean, certainly the threes were, and if the others were, and they all kept it from Caprica, then mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's potentially a problem, I guess. Right. Anyway. Um, kind of ran through a bunch of stuff there fast, but like I said, it's it's all sort of on cliffhanger. And so mm-hmm. really the, the last cliffhanger or the last uh scenes that we get are of uh three and Baltar kind of making their way down to the planet and Adama apparently seeming to be ready to live up to his deal to nuke it if mm. uh if any centurions or any uh Cylons, I mean, land there. So yeah, we don't really know what's gonna happen next, I guess, but we'll see. Yeah. Um I mean I mean, we know because we both seen it before. <laughs> yeah, like, right. I, I, I didn't like, mean it like that. How likely like, is he? He's going to nuke half the cast, right? Right. Um, and I mean, that is something that bugs me a little bit. But like, I feel like they added in that one line about like, are we going to sacrifice Lee to like kind of like make it known that we're aware of the ethical problems with this? But the problem is like, it's not just Lee. It's like. Right. You know, many civilians who are working and we don't even know how many or who they are, but like it's also Starbuck, it's also D, it's also Sam, it's also Tyrrell. You know, like really like we're not like yeah. A, we're not gonna take out half the cast in one blow, but also like it's not just his son. Like it's like Yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's like significant parts of his leadership are down there um and people he's very close to and everything um and maybe it brings up some kind of like post new caprica questions of like what should he have done the first time like could he ever leave them again you know like and right it's hard to imagine i don't know maybe i wish they got into that a little bit more of like this is almost an echo of of them showing up at New Caprica, and if our if if a good chunk of our population is down on the surface, what are we going to do? Um, sure. Um, so, and maybe it is that he's just bluffing, and he has no intention of doing it. 
you know, but it's, they don't really get into a big discussion about it. So it's kind of hard to yeah. say. There's, you're right. There's no big discussion, but, um, I, is it Roslyn who asks him like, you know, how many people are down there? And, and like his answer is enough. Right. Like, right. like you get the sense that that would be like, I, I don't think that he's just thinking about Lee, even right. if like, that's the comment to him. Right. From was it, is it Roslyn who says that? I think it's or, Roslyn. Yeah. 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 You know, like even if she says that to him, you know, thinking that like, okay, like it's his son. And so he's not going to abandon his son. Mm-hmm. Like I, st- I also think Adama wouldn't abandon anyone like down mm-hmm. there. So yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. Is he really going to nuke them? I mean, probably not. Well, and like, it, you know, maybe he wouldn't nuke them, but he might abandon them. I mean, Cavill kind of points that out, like when, when Rosalind says, um, when I wrote this down, we're not leaving them behind. And Cavill says, that's very touching, but not very convincing. Like you did before, um, you know, so sure. now they're not really talking about that this time. It's more of a question of do we nuke or not? Um, so that it's a different discussion, but, um, <clears throat> but there is the suggestion of like, Certainly Adama has jumped away before rather than, yeah. you know, I mean, more than once he's jumped away and left people. So it's not totally outside of, you know, the realm of possibility, but. Um, Fair enough. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to come back next week and talk about what actually happens. Yes. All Sounds right. good. <laughs> oh wait is it next oh yeah next week for bsg just not for buffy next week for bsg and then it's angel yeah right yep yeah it's the okay yeah season finale of angel it's the season finale okay all right thank you for reminding me all right see you then